Let us take Holy Scripture and read from Psalm 31, the first 16 verses. Psalm 31. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. I have hated those who regard useless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy. For you have considered my trouble, you have known my soul in adversities, and have not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a wide place. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye wastes away with grief, yes, my soul and my body, for my life is spent with grief. In my years with sighing, my strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. I am a reproach among all my enemies, but especially among my neighbors, and am repulsive to my acquaintances. Those who see me outside flee from me. I am forgotten like a dead man, out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. For I hear the slander of many, fear is on every side. While they take counsel together against me, they scheme to take away my life. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face Shine upon your servant. Save me for your mercy's sake. And then from the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, beginning with verse 39. Luke 23 beginning with verse 29. In this account, as we read it from God's Word, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has been crucified, and now we read in verse 39. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, 
seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. And the whole crowd who came together to that site, seeing what had been done, beat their breasts and returned. But all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. And the focus of the preaching this morning will be on verse 46. Brothers, sisters, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus breathed his last and then he died. And normally, when someone breathes his last and dies, it's very quiet in the room next to the deathbed. The person dying, very sick, very old, but either way, so very weak, does not have the strength to say much, if anything. The breathing becomes slower and slower, more shallow, more shallow. Sometimes even the family is not sure, is it the last breath or not? But in those moments so close to death, the room is filled with silence. Usually the family does not say too much either. It's time to be quiet. It's a solemn moment. It's time to show respect and reflect. That's how it usually is around the time of the last breath. 
But this is not normal, brothers and sisters. Jesus is unique in what he does, in who he is. And when Jesus comes to this moment of breathing his last breath, it is not silent. He speaks. In fact, he speaks, verse 46, not with a whisper of weakness, but with a loud voice. When Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, and then he breathed his last. And as unique as this last breath was with this loud voice, so unique is the one who breathed that last breath. Normally when we think about the two criminals hanging on either side of our Savior, our focus is on the second one, the one who rebuked, the one who said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then those blessed, those comforting, those incredible words that Jesus Christ spoke, assuredly I say to you, you this criminal, you who do not deserve it in any way, but today you will be with me in paradise. That's the criminal we normally focus on. And that's understandable. But even though the other criminal sinned greatly, for he mocked the Savior, yet he spoke a word of truth in the midst of his sin. He said, if you are the Christ, of course, he doubted it. He did not believe it. In fact, as the scripture says, he blasphemed as he said it. But you know, there was no if. He was the Christ. He was the one, the Messiah, anointed to be. The prophet, the high priest, the king of all kings, and our prophet, our high priest, our king of all kings. And therefore, this morning, the good news comes to you in this way. Jesus breathes his last, and he does so as our Christ, our prophet, our priest, and our king. The very last thing that Jesus does before he dies and takes that last breath is he calls out in a loud voice, not the loud voice of a final cry of agony. Not the loud voice, brothers and sisters, of a scream of pain before it's all over. No, this is the loud voice of a preacher, of a prophet. For here he, with his loud voice, takes the words of Scripture and this is what a prophet does. He quotes from Psalm 31. And he proclaims 
that word of God just before his last breath. And in fact, this is the second time that he has with such a loud proclamation, preacher voice, spoken from the cross. He spoke from the cross seven times, but it was the fourth and it was the seventh that in particular was spoken with such a loud voice. What did Jesus say in his fourth saying from the cross? He said in a clear voice that rung out over the hillside of Golgotha after three hours of darkness, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was proclaimed. And now, into your hands I commit my spirit, is also proclaimed. The two proclamations, brothers and sisters, are linked. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me after three excruciating hours of darkness? Because to be forsaken by God is to, in a word, and this is not exaggeration, brothers and sisters, this is reality, to be forsaken by God so utterly is hell. That's the only word that captures it. Hell. The darkness of Golgotha was the outer darkness of Gehenna. The darkness of Golgotha was the darkness of Gehenna. Hell. And we might, this is why we pray this at the beginning as well, this this emotion that we're pulled back and forth on Good Friday, we might say, thankfully for Jesus, it was only three hours of Gehenna. But that would be to underestimate and misunderstand what Jesus Christ went through for us. It was not just three hours, just 180 minutes. It was rather, brothers and sisters, an eternity of punishment that your sins and my sins deserve, an eternity compressed into three hours. And what is that? Words fail. What is it to have an eternity of punishment for sin compressed into three hours and poured out on the body, poured out on the soul of our Savior? Words could never, ever capture it. But that's what he went through. And yet, at the end of it, he said in the first place, with a loud, strong voice, what had his body gone through? But still in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then we know from John 19, he said, I am thirsty. He took the sour wine. And then, having his throat cleared, having his tongue wetted with the sour wine, he said in even a louder, 
even a clearer voice. The forsakenness that he went through leads to this sermon. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Yes, it was, brothers and sisters, a proclamation of the word of God. Which word of God? You might think that after those hours of darkness, he might have chosen Psalm 88, the darkest psalm in the Psalter. You and I, we might have thought that he would, he would search for and speak from Psalm 116, that psalm which begins with the pains of death, Verse 3, the pains of death surrounded me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. I found trouble and I found sorrow. Would that have not been an appropriate psalm for this prophet to proclaim from the cross? But no. He preaches from Psalm 31. And of all the verses of Psalm 31... He chooses verse 5. The text choice of the prophet is so remarkable. Would you not have expected verse 9 for this moment? Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. He had come through Gehenna. My eye wastes away with grief. Yes, my soul, my body, my life is spent with grief. Verse 9, verse 10, it just attracts us. That would be the timely text choice for Christ the prophet to preach from. But he makes a different choice. Verse 5. Into your hand I commit my spirit. Brothers and sisters, please understand these are not words of a final farewell. Look at them in the context. These words from Psalm 31 are words of trust. They are words of faith, not farewell. Verse 3, you, O Lord, are my rock. You are my fortress. Lead me, guide me, I may come through troubles, I may have enemies attacking me, and certainly our Lord and Savior had all of that. But it is an expression of confidence. Verse 4b, for you are my strength. 5b, you have redeemed me, O Lord of truth. Or look at verse 14. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times, my life, my days, my hours, my last breath are in your hand. You see, what is the prophet? What is our prophet saying here from the cross? Is he simply saying, 
into your hands, O God, I commit my spirit. Now is the moment that my spirit, my soul, will separate from my body and go to you? Yes. Yes. But that is hardly all. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Yes, the last breath is about to be breathed. But it is done in full trust, in full faith, in full submission. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yes. But yet, I trust in you completely. My times are in your hands. Into your hand I commit my spirit. The spirit, the soul, is the whole person. In this case, the whole unique person, the Christ. And why did he choose this text? Why did he proclaim this verse from Psalm 31, brothers and sisters? Because he's our Messiah. He's our Christ. He also spoke these words of trust. Because when we go through our sufferings and troubles, we so often doubt. He does this for us and in our place. How many times when we go through troubles that cannot even be compared to what Christ suffered for us. But rather than saying, in humble and full trust, my times are in your hands, O Lord. Into your hand I commit my spirit and my life. We question the Lord. We doubt. We say, Lord, what are you doing with my life? What are you doing with my times? Oh Lord, is this the best way? Oh Lord, wouldn't some other way be better? But for all of the times that we have doubted, that we have questioned when we should have trusted fully, our Christ said, coming out of the darkness of Gehenna, I commit my spirit into your hand, Father. Father, you may say, was it really a sermon? Or did Jesus merely repeat as a prophet from memory that verse? It was a sermon, brothers and sisters. It was not simply a scripture reading. Because when you look at Psalm 31, that word, Father, is not there. But that one word, is the sermon. In that one word is packed all of the gospel. Because the suffering for each and every one of your sins by this point had been fully paid. He'd come through hell 
for us. And therefore, because of Christ, our prophet, when we, convicted of our sins, we've done it wrong again, we may, in Christ, pray, not just, my God, have mercy on me, but Holy Father, I, your son, I, your daughter, have messed up again. Please, Father, forgive me. And in Christ that prayer is answered. And when we have our questions and when we have our doubts and we feel terrible that we're not trusting God like we really should, we may come in Christ, our prophet, and say, Father, forgive me for my lack of trust. And when we are all confused and we don't know what's up or what's down anymore, we may pray in Christ, Father, my times are in your hands. Guide me forward. It was a sermon indeed. And having proclaimed that sermon in one word, Father, the priest breathes his last. He dies. He dies and offers as the priest himself the sacrifice. This was no sacrifice offered on the burning wood of a bronze altar. This was a sacrifice offered on the bitter wood of Calvary's cross. The sacrifice was made through breathing out. Did you notice, brothers and sisters, that in this gospel, when we read it together, that verse, it doesn't say, and died. Having said this, he breathed his last. Yes, that does mean he died. He did die. But look at how the Holy Spirit describes it. He breathed his last. In fact, there is tucked in that word, in the original, the little word, out, as well. He didn't simply breathe his last breath, but he exhaled his last breath, as we would say. And it would be understandable if you would ask, and doesn't every person who dies breathe out the last breath? Yes. 
but he is unique. This is no normal, final exhaling. For this one who died was not only the righteous man, as the centurion correctly said, but this righteous man was also very God of very God. And when he who is the Son of God breathes out, miracles happen. When God breathed out on the sixth day of creation into that body of Adam that he had formed from what? Some dust, some dirt. But when God Almighty exhaled and breathed into the nostrils of Adam's body, a miracle happened. A miracle of new life, the scripture says, and the man became a living being. And so it is here. When the Son of God, as our eternal high priest, breathes out, exhales his last breath before he dies, this is the beginning of a whole new miracle because through his death we are given new life new life that is equal in miracle equal in glory to what Adam received on the sixth day even in a particular way exceeding what happened there for now through the exhaling of Christ the high priest New life is breathed into not just dust, dirt, dirt creatures like you and I, but sin-bent, sin-inclined, totally depraved dust creatures like you and I. And as the breath came for the last time in Christ's earthly life, out of his lungs, and out of his mouth, so it was through the Holy Spirit that new life was being breathed into God's people. Not only then, but right up into this very day. And so, the Spirit of the risen and ascended Christ even as it says in the letter to Timothy that the word of God is God-breathed. Brothers and sisters, hold the two together. As Jesus breathed out his last breath, it was to lead to new life that comes from the breathed out of God scriptures. And that's why we're here this morning. That's why we're here every Sunday. So that New life can be worked into us through the Holy Spirit, through the breathed out Word of God, a new life that leads to eternal life. Our high priest performed a miracle as he breathed his last.
And he did so also as king, as sovereign, not meek, not weak, but mighty. When someone dies, we say, now he has succumbed to death. Yes, that is true for us. Death is a power, and we succumb to death. But Christ, our King, did not succumb to death. Do you hear him? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And it was so. Having said this, he merely, brothers and sisters, spoke the divine word, the royal, sovereign, almighty word. He said this. And it happened. His soul separated from his body, his spirit went to the Father, and he died. Death did not merely happen to him, brothers and sisters. This is the king. And he has sovereign power over death. And so in Christ our King, we may also say when we face our deaths, O death, where now is your power? O death, where is your victory? Christ, my King, has power over death. And so, even when it comes to that time, unless the Lord returns before that, of course, that you or I or any loved one of ours comes to that point when the room is silent and the breathing becomes more shallow and more slow. We may know that Jesus, not just another man, no, 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 no. Jesus, our prophet, our priest, and our king. And he spoke, and he's sovereign, not only over his death, but he's sovereign in his redemptive power over the death of all those who put their faith and trust by His grace in Him. And then we may say, with the Word of God, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The last breath here. In Christ our King, is the first inhaling of eternal glory and splendor. That is the work of our Savior on the cross.
Amen.